Hey there, everyone. It's great to be with you again today for another episode of the In Focus podcast, where we're taking another fresh look at the Bible and some big Christian ideas and how they bring the world into focus, empowering us to live a more eternal kind of life within it. Today's episode is the second in a series on the tensions and paradoxes that come to us in the Gospel of John. In it, we'll be looking at a number of indicators that John provides for us that in Jesus Christ, the new creation has dawned and has begun taking root here and now. Now, the new creation, the new heavens and new earth fully intertwined and one again, just as God always intended, brings to mind promises of no crying and no pain, no tears, no sickness, no disease, no sin, no death. It's just all of creation once again in perfect harmony. And this, John tells us, has begun in Christ. Now let's contrast this with what the world is experiencing right now. Disease, sickness, death, economic devastation, fear, uncertainty. I noticed, noted this previously, but these conditions are always a reality for massive groups within the global population. Uh, but what's unique about this particular time is that we are all in it together as we are navigating through the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Christians all around the world now are feeling the tension and the paradox of new life in the midst of a very real old as well. So we are people of a kingdom that has come, but is also not yet. We are of a world that is still wrecked by rebellion and futility and decay, but within which the seeds of renewal have taken root and are a reality for the people of God. So let's dive into this tension, beginning with a look at John's telling of Jesus' story as a story of creation and new creation. And then we will end with some reflections on how this story brings our world and our lives into better focus. Uh, For those of us who aren't quite as patient as we wish, John is our guy. So listen to this, the very first verse, uh, the very first words out of John's mouth as he conveys to us the good news that is found in Jesus Christ. In the beginning. And then, of course, he goes on from there, but... Uh, That's far enough for us to stop and ask this question, where have we heard these words before? And what is John bringing to mind for us by kicking off his story of Jesus in this way? Now, of course, these are the exact same words that begin Genesis and the story of creation in the very beginning. Uh, So what John is doing here for us is contextualizing the story of Jesus by connecting it with the story of creation. Uh, This is actually an extremely common technique used by the New Testament authors who came to realize that all of creation up to that point uh, came together in Jesus. All of God's purposes for humanity, all of God's purposes for Israel, all of God's promises to make everything right that had gone wrong with the world, And John paints this picture for us in terms of creation. So now we're going to jump ahead a little bit to chapter 20, as John is beginning uh, his preparation to land the plane, so to speak. He's pulling things together and wrapping up his account of Jesus' life and ministry. 
Uh, So just before diving into chapter 20, John sets the scene for us in chapter 19, verses 41 and 42, which I will read for you here. And John tells us, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. So as we're beginning to wrap up John's gospel, and he's going to drive home all of his major points, where do we find ourselves? In a garden. If you remember back, uh, creation began with six days of work, and then a day of rest in the garden. And then the story took off from there with countless twists and turns and misadventures and rebellion with some glimpses of redemption along the way. And then the climax, as the story progressed, comes in the life and ministry of Jesus, and then a seemingly tragic death on a cross. And then as the dust is settling, just when it seems like all hope should have been lost and the world had gotten exactly what it deserved, we find ourselves looking in upon the tomb of Jesus in the garden. Then we move into chapter 20, and once again, we don't have to wait long for John's perspective to become clear. Now, on the first day of the week, a new week has dawned. Something new is beginning. At this point, the attentive reader should be on the edge of their seat with anticipation as to where the story might be heading. The gospel opened with an echo of creation. We now find ourselves back in the garden. It's the first day of the week. And as we continue reading forward, we find that the tomb is empty. Unless this be lost on us, imagine going to visit the grave of a loved one only to find it empty. Uh, We're familiar with the story, so sometimes that shock could be easily lost on us. But um, imagine how your mind would be reeling at the sight and the realization of an empty tomb. Imagine the questions you would be asking, the shock, the waves of various emotions. And so at some time following that discovery, naturally the disciples headed back home. And there, quietly in the garden, on the first day of the week, Mary stands weeping. Why are you weeping? Two angels ask her, Uh, standing at the head and foot of where Jesus' dead body had been laid some hours before. Because they took away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And then Mary turns around, away from the empty tomb, in the garden, on the first day of the week, and a man is standing there, a man she supposes to be the gardener, in the garden, on the first day of the week. And after the briefest of interactions, the man then calls her by name, and she immediately recognizes this gardener to be Jesus. And then shortly thereafter, in verse 19, John reminds us again that all of this is unfolding on the first day of the week. And after his encounter with Mary, Jesus then went to find his disciples, uh, cowering in fear behind locked doors. And uh, we read of his encounter with them, that he sends them, he commissions them to the world, 
and then breathes on them the breath of life, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Again, we see John echoing the story of creation, which culminated uh, with the creation and commissioning of humanity in the account of Genesis 1, and um, with God breathing his life into uh, people in the account of Genesis 2. So John tells us, in Jesus, the new creation has begun. A new week has dawned. A new breath of life has come. And as Paul liked to point out, where Adam failed, Jesus has restored and redeemed and renewed. So if this is what has taken place in Jesus Christ, how then can we bring our world and our lives into focus when both can still be tragically broken, um, but also seated with new creation? Uh, first, would say we need to understand and remember and, and embrace the tension and the paradox of the time in which we're living. Uh, for now, the brokenness and renewal are both playing out simultaneously, and we are inevitably going to feel the effects of both, even as uh, people of Jesus uh, who are progressively stepping into new life. It's mysterious, but it's true. Uh, second, the way forward is the way of the cross. It's a way of selflessness. It's a way of sacrificial love. It's a way of nonviolence and non-coercion. It's everything we see in Jesus as we walk it out ourselves, as uh, Jesus reminded us often, and in fact, uh, maybe we should stop and read Luke chapter 9 here and verse 23, if anyone would come after me, said Jesus, let him deny himself or herself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So once again, the paradox of following Christ in this world for the time being is thick and deep and simply unavoidable. And then finally, let's remember John's words that we looked at in the previous episode that will both die and live again and will never die. So in Christ, a new life begins that will never end. If we die before Jesus returns, we'll go to be with him for a little while. Uh, as a speaker I heard recently quipped, uh, heaven is not my home, I'm just passing through, uh, which is a clever way of noting that we will only be dead for a short period of time with Jesus in paradise, and then we will be resurrected just like Jesus was. We'll be transformed, we will be made immortal, and our life will resume, each of us continuing the life before Christ that we are beginning right here and now. So if this is how John would have us bring the world into focus, we should reasonably be asking ourselves, how should I then live in response to this incredible reality? Remember that the gospel is a kingdom declaration. Jesus said the gospel was that the kingdom of God is now within reach. It is at hand. It's a current reality. So if my life before Jesus, to string all these things together, will never end and will define my destiny forever regarding his kingdom and the new creation, 
am I right before Jesus and am I where I want to be before him? Or do I need to stop and submit and embrace his reign and make things right before him, uh, before this eternal king, while I still have the opportunity? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are yours. We welcome your saving grace. We welcome your forgiveness. We receive your invitation to come under your lordship and into your kingdom and to receive uh, your Holy Spirit in us and the down payment of new creation and a life to come. We welcome your reign in our lives. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth beginning in each of us, in every word, in every action, in every attitude, in everything. We are yours. You are our king now and eternally. And that's it for today and another look at tension and paradox in the gospel of John. If this episode or others have been helpful in bringing your world into a little better focus, please give the show a rating and a review. That actually helps a great deal so that others might be able to find it later. Um, Also feel free to spread the word with your family and friends and social networks. If you'd like to hear some thoughts about a particular passage or big idea that's on your mind that might help bring your world into better focus, please email me using the address provided in the show notes. I would love to hear from you, uh, as well as any feedback you might have that can make the show a little bit better. Finally, thanks for being a friend of the show and for tuning in to the In Focus podcast. Until next time, may God continue bringing your world into focus, and may you live an increasingly eternal kind of life before Him. 